Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> so I was watching a video uh, this week at work uh, about leadership skills and being in front of people. And it was like a professor of some MBA program, and they were like, when you get up and start to walk forward, you should already be exuding something. And they said, so when you stand up, first thing is think of an animal. And then think of that animal as you're walking up. And I understand the sentiment is like, you think of something like a tiger or a lion, and, and they're kind of like, you embody that, like you're strong and confident, and like this is your domain. But then I stand up and I think of a kangaroo. <laughs> so I'm like, nope, not doing that. <clears throat> Merry Christmas, everybody. We're almost there. We have uh, a week, right? Man. Uh, so I know, like, there's a lot going on. I know some of us are excited. Some of us are kind of dreading things. Um, I know, like, our house is like a mix of all emotions, right? Like, <laughs> like I'm oblivious to all the responsibility and, like, yeah, this would be cool. And, and Rebecca's like, oh, we got to clean this. We gotta, we're going to have to cook this. We need to go buy these presents. And, and so... I know, like, the collective blood pressure can be a little higher than normal. But good thing is, nothing's going to happen in the next hour. So just be here, relax, take a, take a breath. Tonight we're going to talk about love. Uh, we're going to talk about how love expresses itself. Uh, we're going to talk about presence. And we're going to talk about the disruption of love. And uh, how these three almost always coexist. Um, every now and then you get a special relationship uh, where it's not a disruption, right? Somebody, there's that special person or couple that can come over and you can just still, like you don't have to entertain or anything. You could just be and they'll be there. Uh, but that's very rare, right? Like most of the time, even your best friends are a disruption, and that's okay. It's a good disruption, because you love them, they love you. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so we're, we're getting ready for a big disruption. A lot of y'all know we are about to get a puppy in our house. Look at that little ball of evil. <laughs> it's little Hildy Joe. So our... Uh, Hearts will be full and our sleep will be short. But, so even like the best things are very disruptive, right? So tonight we're going to talk about a tale of two babies. Emmanuel, Jesus, and the OG Emmanuel of Isaiah. So let's read now in Isaiah 7. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. So where are we at and what are we talking about here? We are in Judah. We're with God's people Israel, right? Uh, Isaiah is a prophet, simply someone who is speaking on behalf of God. So when it says here, the Lord's saying, literally God is giving Isaiah something to say, and he's communicating it to Ahaz. Ahaz is the, the king, the king of Judah. He's the son of Uzziah. Um, so Isaiah is saying him, ask the Lord for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. So what does that mean? It's anything you can think of. The smallest thing, the biggest thing, go crazy. Ask the Lord. And, um, but why, why, is he, what, why is he asking for a sign? It's because Ahaz is scared. Judah's under threat right now. There are two neighbors to the north, Damascus and Samaria, and they're on the verge of invading. And, and there's nothing that Judah can do about it. They're not strong enough to stand against them. So there's a melancholy over all the people. There's dread. It's set in. The king is scared, and the people are shook. And I know that we can definitely relate to these feelings. Uh, We've all been through a lot, right, these last few years. Um, you know, New Year's always brings, like, a refreshing, like a new hope. Like, you're excited. Uh, something is going to be different this year. Something's going to happen. I got plans. Uh, but it's, it was really weird to that, that new year right before the virus came to almost be in that rhythm of having plans, but being like, but we don't really know what's about to happen. Like, I remember sitting at home, and Rebecca and I have been remote for years. Before COVID, uh, we worked from home. And uh, I remember both of us got emails around the same day that were like, hey, everybody's going to work from home. We're going we're gonna to go. And, and for me, I was at a company that had like 300,000 people. So it's like, okay, everybody's going to work from home, and in two weeks, we'll let this thing blow over and come back. That's right, but at the time that sounded crazy. Like it's like, wow, two weeks, everybody. And I remember looking at her and be like, I think this is serious. I think it's going to be more like two months. And like, man, I wish it was two months. But like, there there was this sort of dread, right? And there we had all these kids and the youth that had plans coming up of you know things for that school year and graduating and going off. Uh, and then, like, people moving up and all sorts of stuff. And all of that changed. And, and we were all sort of taxed a little bit. And there was so many things going on, like racial reckonings. And whether movements were, were good movements or bad movements, they all seemed to tax us just a bit. 
and we saw we lost loved ones and we watched so many friends and family put their hopes in like things like politics and 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 again more taxing and then we watched as church leader after church leader you know either got obsessed over power and politics or started like things come out and they were leading terribly and being abusive to the people that trusted them. And that was so taxing. And then it really finally started to hit me on what was being taxed. And it's really these same things that we're talking about through Advent. It was our peace, our hope, our love. It's no wonder like why so many of us started walking around like zombies uh, with really very little desire to connect, no energy to do the same work that we were doing. <clears throat> so when I hear about the dread that Ahaz has, and I hear uh, him say, no, I'm not going to ask the Lord, like, I know those feelings. Did Judah deserve what was coming? Maybe. They were unfaithful to God. They made sacrifices to idols. They, they were, uh, you know, falling in with other gods. They lived unlovingly. They lived in exploitative ways. They were completely disconnected from the life that God had created them to live. And yet God loved them. He was trying to... <clears throat> He was even trying through Isaiah to plead with them, to, to let him prove it to them, let him prove his love to them. But what does Ahaz say? He says, no, I'm, I'm okay. I don't think Ahaz was trying to turn down a lifeline, right? Uh, yeah, maybe he felt unworthy of God's love and provision, uh, because of the way he was living, the way his country was living. Um, <clears throat> maybe he, f he was unwilling to be vulnerable, to ask for that help. Maybe he was so disconnected, he was in so much turmoil that he was just filled with doubt. Not doubt that God can, uh, but would God even do it if I ask? Why would God lift a finger for me? That sort of mad doubt, that kind of doubt that tells you you can't afford to put your trust and then be let down. So what's even the point? So Ahaz says, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. And Isaiah responds and says, well, God's going to do it even if you aren't going to ask him. And he proceeds to, to tell him about Emmanuel, which of course means God with us. Or even more so, the presence of this child means that I am still here. I still love you, and I am still providing for you. And just like Isaiah said, by the time that that baby was grown enough to start eating peanut butter, Damascus and Samaria had been destroyed Earlier this year, uh, 
Adam brought to us the, the gospel according to Forky. So I've been kind of chomping at the bit to bring us the gospel according to Wally. So I'm going to take advantage of that now. Wally is one of my favorite movies of all time. <clears throat> I remember where we were when we saw it. I remember how many people were in the theater, which is not hard because there was two other people and they left like 15 minutes in. And uh, it, it, it just grabbed me from, from the very beginning, right? You are, and if you haven't seen it, you've had long enough. I'm sorry if I spoil anything. It is what it is. Still go watch it. It's great. <clears throat> but you're thrust into this world, and right away you are asked to do something as a viewer. You're asked to sit and to watch and just be aware of this character, to learn about this character, to fall in love with this character, because you got that whole long intro that has no dialogue, and you're just exploring this character's day. And it's really cool. Uh, <clears throat> so we're introduced to this world, and it's overrun by garbage and toxicity, and society has consumed and consumed and consumed and not put in any of the work to do the good and right things to keep this world from being broken. So they leave, they detach, they remove their presence. The world was left neglected, except for Wally. Wally, if you haven't seen, is a robot. There he is up there, the one on the right. And uh, so, Day in and day out, he is cleaning up. It's his job. It's the one function he has. He goes around, gathers trash, compacts it, and then stacks them into neat little cubes. So he does this every day, goes to work, and brings a little bit more order to the chaos. But there's something missing. You start to learn this about him. There's something that he longs for. And, and that something is, is the presence of another, someone to share his heart with, someone to love. And then we meet her. One very normal day for Wally, he gets up, he goes to work, and uh, while he's busy doing his thing, the ground starts to shake, the sky starts to rumble, and you see a ship come down. And that ship coming down from space, that's, that's Eve's ship. Eve, another robot, just doing her job, shows up and completely disrupts things for Wally. Everything is thrown off for him. Everything else really ceases to matter to him. He pursues her and pursues her. And because this is the one to share his heart with, right? This is the one that he's loved. This is the one he's been waiting for. Their relationship starts to build, and at one point, Eve becomes unresponsive. Uh, she's in sort of a robot comatose state, and still Wally is present to her, and he's faithful to her. And in this unresponsive state, Eve is collected back to her ship, and that ship starts to take off back to space. And our friend Wally, completely disregarding his life, in safety, 
in order to stay present to Eve, he grabs a hold of the side of that ship as it takes right off into space. He takes off right with it. That's love, y'all. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a line from uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village That I Love. It says, the world moves for love. It kneels before it in awe. And I know a lot of people hate on that movie. That's fine. I can't write a line like that. That's a great line. So Eve's ship, with Wally in tow, arrives at its destination. And we find it at an even bigger ship. And this is the same ship that the people of Earth had left in. Except the people have changed a little bit. Really, they've kind of continued down the same path, right? That they were on back on Earth. People have filled their lives their lives with every comfort imaginable. They were surrounded by screens. Robots fed them and fanned them. They didn't have to walk anymore because their comfy recliners could take them anywhere by voice command. <laughs> All right, it sounds kind of cool, but... <laughs> uh, everything in life was automated. All day, chairs are flying by one another, yet nobody even notices because they only communicate through the screens that are hovering right in front of their faces. The people grew fat and accustomed and lost genuine connection, constantly being next to each other but never present to one another. Y'all, there's like a thousand different lessons in this movie. We should just cover it for the rest of the... Well, not this year because that's short, but... The, the presence of Wally here in his faith, in his faithful, loving pursuit of Eve is disruptive. It is unaccounted for. It is unexpected. He was throwing their whole automated ecosystem out of whack. Robots were going haywire, and then two of those floating chairs bump into each other. The screen shut off. The people fall out of their chairs, and uh, they come face-to-face face face with each other. They're floored in shock. Then something happens that probably hasn't happened in such a long time. Their hands touch. You know, I think this kind of, uh, this kind of feeling is very resonant for us given the, the few years we've had when uh, so many of us had been, been isolated, so many of us had, had been away from people, uh, only seeing people from a distance or, or with a mask, and, and all for good reasons, all for loving, protective reasons. Uh, but like going that long without a hug... That, that does something, right? And when you finally get back there, that's a big feeling. Made me think of a, a story from Robin. Uh, I was visiting with uh, Pastor Bud and Robin not too long ago, and uh, she was telling me how, you know, she's had a couple grandbaby, grandbabies during the uh, uh, COVID years. And uh, so... 
one of those babies, they would visit them. They would have to mask because, you know, all the, the things that they've gone through and, and uh, they, they only visit, be able to visit so long and, and have to distance. This one grandbaby, grandbaby had only seen her, her eyes, never saw her full face. This grandbaby loved her, knew her voice, knew her presence. Uh, and then one day they, they video conferenced. And of course, Robin didn't have a mask on. And, and that grandbaby was in shock. Like, this is, my, this is my grandma's voice, but who is this person? You know, it's uh, that sort of presence, that sort of love, that when you finally see it, it just, it just stops you. It's, it's flooring. It's disruptive. <clears throat> so these two ship passengers that we meet are John and Mary. Their entire world is stopped because they are in the presence of one another. Love has become present, and it has disrupted their lives, and now they're truly seeing the world that they're living in. In his book, uh, Whistling in the Dark, Frederick Buechner says, And when Jesus comes along saying that the greatest command of all is to love God and to love our neighbor— he too is asking us to pay attention. If we are aware, if we are to love God, we must first stop and look and listen for him and what is happening around us and inside of us. If we are to love our neighbors before doing anything else, we must see our neighbors with our imagination as well as our eyes. That's to say like artists, we must not just we must see not just their faces, but the life behind them and within their faces. Here it is, love, that is the frame we see them in. To love, we must see, and to see, we must be present. Love is presence. You know, when Isaiah was talking about Emmanuel... Even though he was speaking very literally, this thing was about to happen. I don't think a single bit of him knew just how much God was up to. Isaiah tells Ahaz to dream big, to have faith, to ask. Ahaz wouldn't, so Isaiah dreamed for him. Then God said, dream bigger. Of course, you know, there is this miracle, miracle that's going to happen. There is this child that's coming at that time that would signal God's faithfulness, God's presence. It, this child would signal that they were being protected, that their enemies would fall, that God is providing quite literally God's salvation. But also... In Isaiah's very words that he's speaking, for the first time, the nature of the birth of the Messiah, the one who would save the world. Let's read Matthew 1. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph 
Her husband was faithful to the law, yet he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When I think of Wally grabbing the side of that ship, unwilling to lose Eve, unwilling to lose the presence of this connection and this love, that really speaks to me, right? St. Teresa of Lisieux says, love filled my heart, I forgot myself, and henceforth I was happy. There's a vulnerability in being present. There's a vulnerability in love. It's scary to love, right? Because you might not get love back. And that's exactly what God has experienced with us time and time again. He puts himself out there for us to accept or reject. And so the word became flesh. That's actually a very scandalous line that John writes, right? The word became flesh. The flesh is often associated with bad things, right? Unworthy things, unclean things, and yet that's how God shows up for us. The manner in which Jesus reveals himself speaks to the very nature of God's love. He came as a baby. He opened up to us and came as vulnerable as you could possibly be. Rebecca will tell you that for such a long time, I, there was very rarely a case where I would hold a baby. Like, I, I was so nervous because of how fragile they are. Like, I just, I, just, I couldn't do it. Um, <clears throat> for Jesus, I don't, I don't know what the mortality rate of newborns were in the first century, but I can't imagine it was good. And yet God is willing to be vulnerable and show up in that way. Men, really everyone, but speaking as men, especially when, when we stop to think about like strength and being strong, we got to stop, we got to stop associating that, associating that with like dealing with every situation ourselves. There's nothing strong about ignoring what's going on inside. Ignoring just creates blockers, which can, can lead to not trusting, whether it's not trusting people, not trusting God, not trusting enough to ask for a miracle, just like Ahaz. Later in life, when Jesus visits the tomb of his friend, Lazarus, we get really excited in that story, right? Because we know a big miracle is coming. But that's not really what happens immediately. 
Jesus stops and he weeps at his friend's tomb. He weeps with his friend's family. Jesus is the God who stops and weeps. Jesus is the God when we want a hero shows up as a baby. As if he's saying, I know you are vulnerable. I know you are scared. I will be vulnerable with you. We can talk about loving our neighbors, uh, but until we're willing to show up and open up and be vulnerable ourselves, it's really just talk. James Baldwin says, salvation is not flight from the wrath of God. It is accepting and reciprocating the love of God. Salvation is not separation. It is the beginning of union. So let's talk about the love that Baldwin says we need to accept and reciprocate. Henry Nouwen says, long before we talk about original sin and rejection, we should speak of God's original love. So I ask, what is God's original love? In a lot of romantic movies, especially like, I think, teen, teenage romantic movies, you meet two characters and one character loves the other and the other doesn't know it. Like, they've loved them their entire lives and the other one's completely oblivious to it until like 15 minutes left in the movie and then they, their eyes wake up and they're like, oh, you've loved me this whole time. We gotta wake up. From cover to cover and beyond, God is pursuing us in love. He shows up and is present in the garden and is trying to share his love with us. He shows up in the wilderness and is present and he's trying to share his love. He shows up in the tabernacle. He shows up in Jesus and he is present and trying to share his love. And he is present now to us trying to share his love. This is the story of God's relentless pursuit to be present with you. You are God's original love. You always have been. What do we do about that? I was flipping through one of, uh, one of our journals we did with our youth during Overflow, and I came across this. I'm not sure if I wrote it or it came from somewhere else, um, but it said... The further a tree is from water, the weaker and more desperate it is. Plant yourself close to Jesus. Let your roots find his love. There is more there than you will ever need. First thing we got to do is accept his presence, accept his love. Let yourself be loved. Be filled by it. The next thing is open up. Be vulnerable. To God, to, with e to, to each other, to yourself. Be honest and acknowledge what's going on and then let go of those blockers you're holding on to. Get yourself to that place where you can dream big and ask big things. And the last thing, show up. Be present to others. 
If there's to be connection, if there's to be love, then let's see it. Bernice King said, love is essential. Love puts in work. You guys, we got to show up for each other. We got to show up for our neighbors. So let yourself be loved. Be filled by it. Open up. Be vulnerable. And then show up and be present. Bring that love with you and be present and reflect that love. Father, thank you so much for the season. Thank you so much for just the, the rhythm of being able to work through these, these things and, and the, uh, the attention that we put on them. Lord, thank you for filling us with love. Thank you for filling us with hope and joy and peace. Father, thank you for just pursuing us, no matter how oblivious we can be, no matter how much we want to go the other way or reject or, or just do what we think is right instead of what you think is right. Thank you so much for just continuing to love us. Even right now, you are here loving us. Father, I pray so much just for a movement of your spirit. I pray so much for the ability for me, to other, for others here to, to just open up and to be honest about what is going on inside, the things we're carrying around, the things we're thinking about, to be vulnerable, to allow ourselves to, to fall and be caught by you and caught by our brothers and sisters. And Lord, just empower us then. Fill us up when those blockers are removed to show up for each other, to show up up for our neighbors. Lord, get us back to a place where we put in the work, where we are bringing others to your feet to show them the same thing we're experiencing, which is incredible life, life that you made for us to live. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. May the love that shaped earth and heaven dwell within us this Christmas. May the love that created humanity dwell within us this Christmas. May the love that overcomes suffering and hatred dwell within us this Christmas. May the love that causes us to rejoice with loved ones dwell within us this Christmas. May the love that forgives and renews dwell within us this Christmas. May the love that brings the blessing of peace dwell within us this Christmas. And may we share this love with all people near and far. Go in peace.